0: When I uh, first went to seminary, I prayed that God would give me friends, I don't want to be lonely, have no friends, friendless American seminary student, that's not a good thing at all. So I prayed, and God answered my prayer request. I had uh, a lot of really great friends. Um, In particular, I met uh, several international students, and I discovered that uh, the international students were uh, really remarkable people. For the most part, they um, had already been very, very much involved in ministry beforehand, uh, many of them had uh, been evangelists or church planters for years. Some of them uh, were already over, uh, overseeing uh, 10 or 20 or hundreds of churches that had been planted. Uh, they had these remarkable ministries already in place, and they were incredibly godly people. They were uh, definitely a step ahead of me in where I was just uh, personally, in life, in ministry, in maturity. Um, one of the men that I met very early on, I think it was within the first week or two, was a man named uh, Babu Pimplekar. Babu is a man who works with Hindus in India. This last week I've been planning on, on preaching. Uh, Tristan and I and the kids were leaving for vacation this afternoon, heading up to Oklahoma, and plan on preaching, getting in the car, driving. Then I found that Babu was in the country. And uh, I did not want you to miss getting to hear his story, his, uh, his story about how Christ came and found him. Is remarkable, maybe once in a lifetime opportunity for you. So it is a great pleasure for us to have Babu Pimplekar telling us his story this morning. Babu, would you come and speak to us?
1: I count it a great joy and privilege to be here with you this morning, and I'm so thankful to. Pastor Brian and his godly team in giving me this opportunity to share my story. Before I go into uh, just reading one or two verses, I bring greetings to you all from the land of India. And thank you for praying for me Um, all these years. Very few people have a special place in my heart and Fisher family occupies one of them. 22 years together praying and keeping in touch and telling me what's happening here and how could we pray. And we have been praying for each other last 22 years. Seven time. This is my seventh time coming, but first time coming in this big sanctuary. But all the time I have been speaking to college classes. And so wonderful to hear, many of them are inspired to love the Lord more and even given their lives to serve Him throughout their lives. Our hearts are filled with joy and great honor for our great God. Before I tell my story, I, I would read one or two verses. One of them is from Psalm 119 and verse 92. It reads like this. If thy law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. And I would like to tell how my sorrows were changed into joyfulness, how I came from darkness to light, how my tears were wiped by our great God. Otherwise, like the psalmist, I would have said, I would have perished in my affliction if I I would not have known his word. Then in Psalm 56 and verse 8 reads like this. Thou hast taken account of my wandering. Put my tears in thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? It's so wonderful. There is no God like this, who not only weeps with his dear ones, but wipes their tears. But this verse has two more things. One, he bottles our tears. Isn't it wonderful that God puts our tears in the bottle? He takes note. Our name is written on that bottle. But one more thing is there. It says, and they are they not in thy book? Our tears are registered. Isn't that wonderful? God has registered. Our tears. So never to be afraid to cry, coming in the presence of God, because he takes note of our tears. And then one quotation somebody has said, if you doubt that Jesus cares, remember his tears. And that's enough for me. God wiped my tears. I was born and brought up in an Orthodox Hindu family, during the days of British but my part was under Muslim kingdom we had never up to the age of 16 I had never heard that there is God called Jesus, a great book called Bible and people, God's people called Christians. Up to the age of 16 I had never heard it. Then how change came in my life I was born in a Family they worshipped God Shiva in the form of fellas and all sorts of idols in the house, a small sanctuary in the center of our house. But one day my mother's only brother was on his deathbed and before dying as they were merchants, most of the most of my community people do some kind of business and they very easily make money in a right way. And I was born and brought up in that kind of mid-class family. And one day, my uncle was very ill, newly married, handsome, healthy, well-to-do, only one brother among five sisters, and he fell ill. Before his death, he told all about our money, and then, within two hours, he died. And when he died, my grandmother was alive. They bit their chest. And lamented for days after days. My mother and her sisters and all our relatives, days after days, they bit their chest and cried so bitterly. At that time, my little heart was hunted with the following questions How death came in this world? Who died first? Where do the people go after they die? Can they meet again? Who died first? If death is so painful, is there no cure for that? Is there no solution to overcome its bitterness? And I could not ask these questions. I was too small. But after some times, after a few days when the sorrow was subsided, my grandmother told, today we will open the sanctuary and we'll worship our gods. And uh, she told me to go and take bath and come with wet clothes, and I did so bringing some water from our river and took out all our guards in a big utensil and giving bath and putting them at proper place, worshipping them under the guidance of my grandmother. And suddenly a thought came to my heart, how come when we have so many gods and goddesses in our house, none of them could help my uncle from dying? And when I asked that question to my grandmother, Her answer was amazing. When I asked grandma, how come none of these gods could help my uncle from dying? My grandmother told, these gods and goddesses have no power over life and death. There is God above these who holds the cord of life and death. Then I naturally asked, why not worship him then? (laughs) Why worship these? Where is he? And you know, like any other elderly persons, when they don't know the answer, they scold you. (laughs) And my grandmother told, you are talking too much. Wind up and keep them there. I did keep them there, but I removed them from my heart. I never had any respect or fear of them. Whenever my grandmother was not around, I just took a bunch of them, dipped them, and kept them there. No, because knowing that these have no control over life and death, there is God above this, and I want to know him one day. And because after that, just one year after that, while giving birth to my fifth brother, my mother uh, started labor pain in the farmhouse. Before she could reach home, On the way itself, she gave birth to baby boy. And it was so much bleeding. My baby brother died within one week, and my mother died after one week after him. And that caused a great sorrow to my family again. I had two more brothers, one five years old, another three years old. They were told that mother has gone away, she will come back. They did not know what death is. And so every time they had their meal, each one of them sat at our two gates, one at this gate and one at that gate, waiting for my mother to come. And one day, my father, early morning, left to fetch a cow for milk. Early morning, my brothers got up and said, where is dad? They said, he has gone away and he will come back. They thought, like mother, he is also gone away. And he could not return for a week, Within three days, my middle brother died at this gate, waiting for my mom and my dad to return. When we buried him behind our house, after three days, my youngest brother also died at this gate, waiting for my mom and my dad to come back. And when next day morning we buried him and came in our uh, yard, a yard of our house, My father returned with a cow and calf and we didn't know what to tell him. My uncle sneaked away in the farm. Whole village turned to our house. Now what to tell my father? He said, where are the boys? He sat there railing to the wall and asking all the time, where are the boys? And finally my neighbor, elderly lady, came and told my father, Go in, you are very late. Boys have left you. And my father was sitting there with wide open eyes, did not cry, did not say a word. Whole day, the whole village was trying to make him cry. And maybe in the evening or so, he cried very bitterly. Seeing that, and for many days, he was not able to speak any word. He just sat there. Would not sleep, would not eat, because death had hit him so hard. And seeing his sorrow, my grandparents, within few months, they also died. And in one and a half years' time, we lost about seven people. Death was so terrible. We were scared of death because people die of any age, young and old, middle age. And at that time, we were so sorrowful we many days we never even cooked or anything did anything normally but just lamenting for these things and i was again thinking if death is so painful how did it come in this world and nobody was able to tell me and then last round there was a property quarrel over the property of my grandparents my mother's side and my aunts, my mother's sisters, they did not want to give me a property share because my mother was not alive. So they told this boy should go to his father. I heard that. By that time, I was 13 years old, never gone to school, never had even ABCD of my language even. And one day I heard that they are quarreling over property. I thought if I remain here, I lose the property and I also lose my aunts. So better lose one. I got up and went to my father about about an hour's journey by walk. And when I went there, I realized my father is married, remarried, and they have two boys. But I decided to remain with them because that was my home. And then because I came from a very rich family from my mother's side, my parents this side were not that rich. Every day they have to work for their food. So this, because seeing I come from a better home, they did not put me to work. They sent me to school. First time, 13 years old, going to study from A, B, C, D. But in one year's time, because my teachers were also good and I was doing very fast, I finished KG, preparatory, first standard, second standard and third standard in one year. And In next year public exam, I stood first in my district. So government uh, offered, honored me with 15 rupees per month. And that caused me to go to school in a small town, about 25,000 population. And there I registered my name in the public library and started reading profusely, read all my important books, Vedas, Upanishadas, and the lower books called Puranas, and then, at the end, I was so disappointed when I came to know that gods and goddesses that are mentioned in those books are just like human beings. They are born in families, their parents are married, and then they grow like any normal young man. They marry, sometimes marry more than one wife, nobody blames them. Then they keep concubines, and they quarrel, they have... Sicknesses; they have their own doctors to cure them, and uh, they have properties, they have wars, they also die, uh, their relatives cry, and I thought, what is the difference between our gods and we people? If gods do not live righteously, why should I live a righteous life? And in my teenage age, I started living very bad life. Any kind of sin, any kind of rugged, rough life. And if I would have continued, I would have ended in some jail. But God was searching me as I was looking for a God who holds the cord of life and death. And one day, at that time, I received another very higher scholarship, 116 rupees. That was a big amount in early 60s. I made copies of that government letter and sent it to all my relatives. See how I'm honored with such a big amount. Secret was because my teachers were paid less than 100 rupees. And so I thought, I'm, as I'm a student, till I'm paid 116, I'm more than my teachers. So I made copies of those letters and sent to everybody. And I was full of joy, bubbling with joy. And at that time when I was so burdened with all my sins and no peace, no joy, and I went back to my tears, crying for my mom and my uncle and so afraid of death. And at that time, I saw a white man and an Indian walking together in front of my school. We had never seen a white man because we were under Muslim kingdom. And first time we saw a white man talking to our people, So we used to miss our school and just walk behind them and try to listen to them what they are saying but could not understand. One day I asked my teacher who these people are. He said they are called Christians. I said, what is Christian? They said they have some religion. And then he came to my ear and said, don't go near them. They eat our cows. (laughs) So my teacher with master's degree in literature and education, he knew all about Christian was that they eat our cows. (laughs) And then uh, because most of, uh, all of my people are strict vegetarians, so how can I go near a man who eats our cows? But one day I was so eager to know what they are saying, when nobody was around there, I approached them, and without touching the white man's hand, I took one tract that he was distributing and took it very carefully, hiding. I went behind the school building, and I read it carefully. It was written, if you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what does it profit? And then the story of that rich farmer who got bumper crop, and he said to himself, O oh, my soul, eat, drink, and be merry. You have plenty. God told him, thou fool, if the, today thy soul shall be required of thee, who shall all this be? And I was so surprised to hear this because here is a God with authority telling this man, I can take your life today. I thought our gods don't have that authority. Could this be the same God that my grandmother told that there is God above these gods who holds the cord of life and death? I went to the Indian man and said, "I want to talk to you." And he said, "Talk now." I said, "No, I have many things to talk to you." He said, "Come to my home." I asked him, "Where does he live?" And he told, "He lives in a cobblers' lane." Now, lingayats and brahmins are—they uh, are high caste people. They don't go in the cobblers' lane. And I had problem, but I told him, "I'll come in the night time, when it is dark." So he agreed. After 8.30 or so, I went to his house. He took me in and closed the door so that nobody could see me. And I sat with him, and I asked this question. Who are you? What is Christian? What is your belief? How this world came into being? How man came into this world? Who died first? Why death came? And he didn't say anything. He just opened his My Language Bible, and right from the beginning, he told me, how God created this world, how man was created, how sin entered in this world, how death came, how sacrificial system was introduced. Meanwhile, till the right time came. And when the right time came, God became man, died on the cross, taking all our sins and paid the price. Now he rose again and he told that anybody repents from for his sins and trusts him, takes him as his saviour, can be forgiven, can have peace. And he has now gone to heaven. (laughs) Meanwhile, he has told his people to go everywhere and preach this freedom in Christ Jesus. And then I told him, if this is true, how come you came so late? Most... (laughs) Most of my people died. He said, I'm not late. Just two years ago, I came to know this. And I experienced, I went to Bible school. And I studied the Bible. And I have come first time to your area. And I'm preaching this to you. He urged me to buy a copy of Bible. I declined. But I agreed to study the Bible through correspondence courses. I registered my name with team mission in my state. And I, within four months, I finished all their courses. Not because I really wanted to, but because they used to give 100 mark out of 100. In school, it is not possible. So, I, within four months, I finished their courses. They offered me a New Testament, but I, they asked me if I pay one and a half rupee more, I can have the whole Bible. And I agreed, because up to that time, some love in my heart for the Bible because I had I studied those courses. So I got the copy of the Bible first time, and day and night I started reading, sometimes missing the school, sometimes right up to 12 o'clock in the night, and always I was reading. And I read for two years Old Testament more than five times. But of course I escaped the passages in Leviticus and those heavy passages. <laughs> so genealogies and I just escaped those (laughs) but I understood what it was telling and New Testament I read more than seven times finally I understood that this Bible is true it is universal God for all people salvation and savior for all people the price is really paid but then I thought how come there is no salvation in my religion? So I went back again to my books and now as a as an adult, so to say, in my teenage, I was below twenty, I went back to my books and started studying again from the beginning. And to my surprise, in one of our greatest books, the Vedas, the Rig Veda, tells like this that by sacrifice of animal blood shed, you cannot have forgiveness. Forgiveness will come when God, the creator, will become man and die as a sacrifice. Now, looking through all the Hindu books, we do not have a God who became man and died as a sacrifice. They have their own purposes to come in this world as incarnations, but no one incarnation who came and died for sinners except the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I thought, these books belong to another cult of Hinduism. My cult is different. I should read my books. So I went to my cult books to read. And at the end of one year, when I was reading the final book, it concludes like this. The name of that book is Proverbs of Basveshara, the founder of our cult. But without any much reference, he concludes his book like this. All the religions in the world will come to an end, but the religion established by a carpenter will be eternal. Looking through all the founders of the 12 contemporary religions in the world, none of the founder is a carpenter, except the Lord Jesus, who is called a carpenter and son of carpenter. And I said... Why should Bhashvishvara tell this? To, and I realized this is to draw my attention and many a- people's attention towards the carpenter of the Jewish community. And at that time, I thought, this is true. But if I accept, my people will throw me out. If I reject, what will happen to me if I die today? Or if Christ comes today, as the Bible says, and I didn't know what to do. I, I forgot eating, I forgot studying, I didn't want to talk to anybody, but finally I thought to talk to my mother's younger sister, whom I was a bit closer. So I walked about 16 kilometers to talk to her, these things, but that night I could not reach to her house. I had to spend that night in somewhere else. And while spending that night, again the thought came, If the Bible is true, what will happen if Christ comes today? Or if the Bible is true, death can come any time because death is uncertainly certain. Certain because it comes one day. Uncertain because we do not know when it comes. And with this thought, I went to bed. But to my surprise, in the midnight, in a kind of dream or vision, somebody woke me up and gave me a big, sheet of paper and all my crimes were written down there right from the beginning ever since I came to know myself and it was finally signed by the greatest judge of our land that you will be put to death because of these crimes and I was so shocked I took that paper in my dream and went to the people of my relation in the high places, and I showed them that paper. And they said, we cannot help you in this matter. I finally went to my parents, and they said, we have no say in this matter. You have to face it yourself. And at the last, I happened to come on the uh, road where I first received the gospel. I came there, and I found a person standing with the whitest possible clothes, And when I came near, he said, Son, why are you crying? I showed him the paper. He took it, torn it, and said, Don't you know that I already took this death upon myself? You know this truth. This will make you free. And I wanted to bow down and fall frustrated at his feet, thanking him, and he disappeared. What all I heard at the end was, Go in peace. And my dream was over. I got up. I went to my aunt and I didn't talk to her I didn't want to say anything I was so convinced from the Bible because there is no other name written in heaven or on earth other than the name of Lord Jesus whereby we could be saved and now I had no doubt I came back after 2-3 days I was in my room and reading the Bible and I, as I read it said test God try God whether he does or not. And I said, let me try. I went right inside my inner room, and I prayed like this. Oh, God of the Bible, I am a very big sinner. I know how, what I am. Have mercy upon me. Please forgive me. Change my life. Give me peace. Wipe my tears. Remove all my darkness. And I didn't say amen or anything, because I had never seen Christians, how they pray. And the moment I ended this prayer, my heart was filled with such a joy, such a peace, I could not describe. I just got up and came out of my house, and my roommate was coming from college. His name was also Babu. I said, Babu, I became Christian. He said, who made you Christian? I said, nobody made, I just became myself. He said, that is crazy. He ran to my house because he thought that missionary or that Indian evangelist must be sitting there who converted me. He ran and looked for them and came out and uh, he could not find them because they were not there. And then he told me, could you tell me how you became Christian? I said, what all I was reading all these two, three years, I found it is to be true. It really gave peace. It wiped my tears. I have such a joy. I never had that before. He could not understand. He wrote a letter to my father. Babu is very sick. Please come soon. <laughs> and my father came with two other relatives and our gurus and a few um, swamis. And they came and confronted me with a dozen questions. I told them this story, this search, this sorrow, how I found joy in this. And they didn't know what to say. But my father told be- read the Bible, believe it, or do anything, but don't get baptized. <laughs> because somebody told him that by believing secretly, nobody knows who you are. But getting openly baptized, then people call you Christians. So my father warned not to get baptized or not to tell anybody openly that you are Christian. But I didn't say anything. I waited for some times. And then one day I was reading the Bible very joyfully and it said, believe and be baptized. I said, I have believed, but I'm not baptized. I should have that. I went to that brother and said, please give me the baptism. Because I had never seen anybody baptized. Uh, He said, what baptism you want? I thought they have also first class, second class, third class. (laughs) So I said, brother, look carefully and give the best one. So he wrote down about twenty twenty-five references concerning by, uh, baptism and gave me the paper and told me to read it carefully for fifteen days and then come and we will give you baptism. I did read those references, understood carefully, and after fifteen days with my five Hindu friends, uh, I got the best baptism. <laughs> I was baptized, but I never knew before that what will this. Cost to my parents. The moment I was baptized within one week I was thrown out of my home. Thrown out of my village. No they didn't say me get out or anything. They didn't beat me, but nobody talked with me. I lived in my house. My parents would not talk to me. My little brothers would not talk to me. I walked down the roads of my village. Nobody talked. They turned, their, closed their doors. Even if people are sitting somewhere and I approach them, they would get up and go. And I didn't know what to do now. After seven days, I thought I should not live here. So not to make a big fuss, I walked by the back door taking my things and went about half a mile. Then I realized where to go now because I had never gone anywhere. And I was so overwhelmed with sorrow I sat down under the tamarind tree and started very bitterly and very loudly weeping. And I didn't know what to do. And as I was weeping, after some time, somebody came and touched my shoulders and said, can a mother forget her child? Yes, she may. But I will not leave you, not forsake you. And you know what I thought? My father must have walked behind me and because I'm a motherless child, he must have come to Comfort me and take me home again. I wiped my tears, looked around, but nobody was there. Within my sight, nobody. Then I, I thought, how come? Who touched me? Then I realized that verse is from the Bible somewhere, but I could not find the reference. And, but how come I heard so loudly if it is from the Bible? By that time, I had read few testimonies how God spoke with them. Then I thought, yes, God also spoke with me. And if God says, I will not leave you nor forsake you, that is enough. Even if my parents forget me, even if my mother forgive, uh, forgets me, even all relatives go away, God says, I will take you. And anyway, what are the relatives and uh, close siblings? After all, they will carry you only up to, up to the graveyard. They might carry your coffin up to the graveyard, but beyond that, they have no power. Only God can take care. And I said, if God takes care of me from now onward, I'm in his hand. I wiped my tears, looked at my house, looked at my village once, and I walked any direction my feet could carry. And within two years, I reached Pune, Bangalore, I registered my name in the night College, I finished my degree course and I happened to meet an evangelist while traveling in a train and within next year I married his sister. <laughs> uh, we came back to Maharashtra very wonderfully. I was three years living in a mission, missionaries compound, Australian missionary, very godly people, great influence on our hearts. And one day, every day Mrs. Flack used to come and wake me up for my studies. And, you know, during that time when I was engaged, I thought, why go back to Maharashtra? So angry people, so hard-hearted. Why not live in Bangalore, so cool and nice? I got a job here. And I'm, I'm here very safe. My wife also can get a job. And one day, in the night, God told me I should go back to Maharashtra. In the dream... I had a dream that it said I, it was so dark around and I had only one light. And the moment I was taking it to my land, it was nicely burning, brightly burning. But if I kept it away, it was flickering and dying off. And then I said, Lord, I better I live and brightly shine among my own people, even though they would persecute me, why live here just for safety? How long? Another 40 years. No, I will go. And then I opened my eyes, and Mrs. Flack was standing there. And I looked at the watch. It was 7.30. I said, Mom, how come you did not wake me up? And she was wiping her tears. She told me, Babu, you were singing an English hymn. And that was impossible for me. I did not know how to sing in my own language. (laughs) How can I sing an English hymn? Mrs. Flack told, you sang the whole hymn with chorus. And the chorus is, it is well with my soul, it is well with my soul. Then I woke up and told my my dream to Mrs. Flack and told, I had secret desire not to go from here. But God told me to go, and now it is well with my soul, I'm going. And she told me, Arthur and I praying for last one year, because it seems that you are very relaxed and not so much uh, on fire. So we were thinking that like any other Christians, you might linger over here. And I said, no, I'm going back. And I went back with my wife. My people started coming to me. After one year after my conversion, my father became a Christian. My My father's elder sister became a Christian. Within 10 years' time, About a dozen people came, and we didn't know. We didn't have time. I was teaching in college. My wife was teaching in high school. And we didn't have time, only summer time. And we thought if we continue like this, most of our people will remain unreached. Then I decided, my wife and I, we prayed for two more years. And we gave up our jobs and came into the ministry. And now, up to this time, more than 35 of my relatives have come to know the Lord. Other Hindus, we stopped counting. Few hundreds have come to know the Lord. Few churches are planted. We call them house churches because they are between 25 and 45 people gathering at one place. More than five families have come into the ministry through our influence. And one day after 10 years, somebody told me, you know Bible very little, only the gospel. I said no, I know much better. But one of my friends came over Dallas and studied here and he told me, Babu, you have a very tiny theology. You must go to Dallas and study now. And I said, no, being a brother and assembly person, I was very proud that I know and I can check every reference. He said, no, you don't know much. <laughs> and every time I met him, he said, you don't know any- anything. And one day, after 10 years service, he told Babu, I'm not feeling well. I am now getting old. You must consider studying in Dallas. I said, how can I do that? One day he invited one Dallas prof in Maharashtra, in my land, and had ten days course. Sixty pastors and evangelists were invited. Uh, We had some formal theological education. And I also came. After ten days course, they had an exam. But it was very funny. I stood first among them. And Dr. John Martin told one who stood first, second, and third, they are eligible to study in Dallas Seminary. But I I, I forgot all about one day, Dr. Isaac John wrote me and told that how come you did not apply for? I said, I have my wife and four children and I'm not under any salary and how can I pay for my traveling books and fees and you are joking with me or what? And he jerks that letter and sent it to Dallas Seminary. Within two months, they wrote that Babu is granted full scholarship. And I sold my Lambretta scooter, gave 3,000 rupees to my wife. And I came over here. And Dr. John Martin received me. And in my first class, he introduced me in front of our student. And probably Brian was there. And Doug, Selinger, they were there. And at the cafeteria with food, they came to search me like this. And when they found, we sat separately, ate together. I shared my testimony and they prayed with me. And ever since they are praying. We work among the, mainly among the Hindus. We have great joy. Now I, I'm waiting for the Lord to come and hear thy faith, thou faithful servant. You have well done. I, we have four children. All of them know and love the Lord. Walk with him so delightfully. Love his word. Wherever they are, they are testimonies. My second daughter and her husband, now they are in Dallas studying in their fourth year of the, their THM. And we are waiting for them to come back because I do not want any of my people to linger here because we eat this much ice cream once in a month but you have buckets and meat is so costly because you have to pay a week's salary to buy one kilo goat meat but you have so much big hamburgers so there is a fear that our people if they linger longer time they could be hamburgerized pray for them God has given them vision. They might not lose it. After wonderful training, they might come back. Because in my area, when you meet 400 people, you meet one Christian of some kind. See, millions, crores, billions need to hear before the Lord come. Do pray for us. Thank you for praying all these years. This is my story this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Thank you.
0: Wait, let me pray for you. Yes. Please. trust you were blessed by that. Let me pray for Babu. Father, I pray that you would prosper his ministry. Father, I pray that there would be many who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ that would hear through him and through his wife, Shanta. Father, I pray that you would give them physical strength and health to continue the work and provide for all their needs. Father, we lift up your son, Jesus Christ. He's the one who takes us out of darkness into light. We love him. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Be blessed. Thank you.